name we pray. Amen. Now, the bummer about being outside is we have no screens, so we can't really put stuff up on the screens to, like, give you any visual aids along the lines of, like, what's going on. So, I want to remind you this sermon, this sermon series, Notice and Bless. So, I asked some kids to help me this morning. So, we're going to bring out the first set here, the word notice. This all begins. These are missional practices that we can do to bless the world. Remember this? So, I say, go bless the world. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, the first thing you do is you notice. You put on your... Noticing glasses, remember these, and you see people differently. You see them like Jesus saw them, right? And that's what you do. That's how you start. You see people. A lot of times we walk by people don't even see them. Now, I'm going to have you help me out because the kids need their, your enthusiasm. I'm going to be like a cheerleader. I'm going to say, give me a B, and you're going to say, oh, nice. That's pretty good. All right, let's try it. Here we go. Give me a B. B. Nice. And then if you want to bless the world, you begin with prayer. A few weeks ago, we talked about this, the power of praying for people, even behind their backs. They don't even know you're praying for them. You can just be praying for them behind their backs, okay? Give me an L. L. Listening. The power of listening, of sitting down and hearing someone and letting them know that you're actually tuned in, paying attention enough to hear what they have to say. That blesses people. Give me an E. Eat, eat with people. Eat together. I said last week, can you give three meals of your 21 this next week to eat with somebody who needs to be blessed, who needs to know that someone's paying attention to them? Right? Give me an S. Today is all about service, mercy. And we're going to have Kara come in here and give us a little assignment for the kids right now. Okay, kids. So I have a handout for you that you get to take on your way out, and it is full of ideas of way you can serve people this week, people in your family, in your community, your school, your friends, your neighborhood, and people all around the world. So I want to challenge you to try at least two serving ways this week. And if you don't like any of the ways on the sheet, that is totally fine. But then I want you to come up with your own ways that you can serve people. Sound good? Parents at home, this handout was attached to your weekly family email that came out on Friday. It's also on the church website um, on our kids and family page. So I hope you find some great ways to serve. Awesome. You know, experiencing service, there's nothing like experiencing it, actually getting out and getting your hands dirty and your feet on the ground. It's awesome. Give me another S. And that spells? Nice. The last S is next week, it's all about your story, sharing your story. We'll talk about that next week. So, folks, we as a church want to be a church that blesses the world. Little ways all through the week. How do you do that? Well, you take these little behaviors and you apply them to your life as you go. You're already going, right? You're already going to work and to the store and everywhere you're going to restaurants. As you're going... Be a person of blessing in the world. That's what this series is about, right? Catch that, catch that vision. Aren't these guys good, a good screen? Yeah, amazing guy. Good, good job, guys. You can go. Thanks. Thanks a lot. All right. Now, this idea of blessing the world is deeply rooted in the Scripture. In fact, when Abraham was called in Genesis chapter 12, look what God says to him. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. So Abraham wasn't blessed by God so he could hang on to his blessing and just go, hey, awesome, I'm blessed. 
he was blessed by God, and the final thing God says to him, you will be a blessing. Because you're blessed, because you've tasted the kingdom, now you get to go bless someone else with what you've already tasted and what you know. God poured himself into Abraham so that Abraham could join him and be his partner in healing the world by blessing the world with his life. This was the call on the nation of Israel forever. They were blessed to be a blessing. You've probably heard that phrase before. Now you say, how, how does this fit into the Beatitudes? Well, it's interesting, you know, when Jesus was doing the Beatitudes Sermon on the Mount, the hillside, the people on the hillside, they were sitting there thinking of themselves as spiritual zeros because the Pharisees had told them they were. They were thinking of their lives and mourning over the state of their lives. They were in captivity to the Romans. They were in a miserable state of affairs. They were hungering, hungering and thirsting for the God they had read about in the Hebrew Scriptures who had done all these miracles and amazing things. They wanted to see that God again. Right? They were mourning over the condition of their own hearts. And Jesus steps into this and he says, Oh, how blessed you are when these are the qualities of your life. See, the Pharisees had said, try harder, obey the law more, do more stuff. If you really want to be blessed by God, you got to do a bunch of things, you have a whole list. Jesus steps in and says, no, you don't. You're already blessed if you have a humble and surrendered state of these qualities, conditions inside your heart. Today's beatitude gives another picture of these kind of people. It's the beatitude says, blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. I can tell you the Romans despised the idea of mercy, and the Jewish Pharisees, leaders, said if you were in misery, it wasn't because you needed mercy, because of your sin you had committed. So they had no space for mercy. Now you might ask yourself, what in the world is mercy? Well, the first thing I can tell you is not getting what you deserve. So when I was a young youth pastor in Holland, Michigan, I worked on the north side of town, there's a lake down the middle of the town, and then there's the south side of town. The only way to get from the north side to the south side is to drive around the lake. So one morning, I was going to a meeting at Christ Memorial Church on the south side of town, jumped in my car late, and was going probably a little faster than the speed limit on the way to the meeting on the other side of town. I was going like a crazy man, around the lake, all the back roads, weaving and arriving. I arrived in the parking lot. I jumped out of my car. And right there behind me was an officer with his lights flashing. He gets out of his car and he says, you didn't see me? I've been following you for like four miles. I thought you were trying to run away. I'm like, oh, no, officer, I had no clue. I was just getting to this meeting. I'm just kind of late for a meeting. And I explained who I was, the youth pastor in town, and I gave him some story. I think I even showed him my Bible. And he let me off. He let me off. I deserved a ticket. I deserved to be punished. But instead, I did not get what I deserved. I got mercy. Now, mercy goes even deeper than that. It's not like grace. Grace is getting more than you deserve. Mercy is more related to the misery of your life. Mercy is also the ability to crawl inside someone else's skin, to walk inside someone else's shoes, or to completely understand what it's like to be them. So my, my daughter, Lana, used to walk around in my big shoes when she was like a two-year-old. It didn't fit very well. She walked around in those shoes. That's what mercy is. Mercy is walking around in, in someone else's shoes to understand what it is like to live their life. That's mercy. Merciful people do that. Now, where does mercy come from? Well, 
It's all over the Old Testament, all over the Bible. Psalm 25 says this, Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from old. Of, from there, they are from old. They're ancient. They've been around forever. Jesus is God's mercy in the flesh. Think about it. He was God with us. He stepped down from heaven and he walked in our shoes. He took on human flesh and experienced what it was like to be a human. He could have sat up in heaven and said, hey, what's wrong with you people? Instead, he came down and took on flesh and walked in our shoes. Hebrews says it this way. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet did not sin. Jesus has mercy for us because he actually has walked in our shoes. In fact, if you look at the ministry of Jesus, you can learn a lot about the mercy of God. In the Gospels, there's this, this expression that happens about 12 different times. It's very connected to mercy. It's the phrase, Jesus was moved with compassion. What it means is, is that his guts, actually his womb, he's a boy, he doesn't have a womb, but the womb of God is actually aching for the pain and misery in the world. Mercy comes from the deepest place Inside God. It's like a mother's love for an unborn, ch unborn child. Jesus was often moved with compassion. Deep compassion for the people he met along the way. It says things like his heart went out to them. He was moved with compassion. And usually that compassion kicked him into action of some sort. So mercy comes from God. It is closely related to God's compassionate Loving kindness for his people. Mercy flows from the very deepest place of God into the world. Now, whether we know it or not, we have all experienced in some way, shape, or form God's mercy. Every one of us, at some point in our lives, have experienced God's mercy. This is just true. So this beatitude says, blessed are the merciful. Or, oh, how blessed you are if you are merciful, for you will also get mercy. So that leads me to another question. What's it mean to be merciful? Well, the way Jesus lived modeled for us what merciful life looks like. He went out of his way for a woman at the well, a Samaritan woman, who most people wouldn't even talk to if they were Jewish men. He made time for beggars, outcasts, lame people, blind people, lepers. He offered a way forward for a woman that was caught in the very act of adultery and dragged out in the street to be stoned. He gave attention to all kinds of different people in the world. The merciful people in the world see other people with this deep compassion of Jesus. I, I don't know if you know this right now, but at church on Sunday evenings, there's an alpha group that meets in the garden room. There's about 16 to 24 of us on a given Sunday night coming to Alpha. Alpha is a great example of being merciful people. Because usually when it comes to spiritual questions and spiritual matters, we think we have to have the right answer. Alpha is a chance for us to sit together and explore our questions about Jesus, about this way of life that he's calling us to. So on Sunday evening in the garden room, about 20 of us or so gather in there and we explore our questions and we give permission for the other people to ask whatever question they want without judgment. And we try to walk in their shoes and understand their story. 
And they try to walk in our shoes and understand our story. And together, we're discovering, showing each other mercy, the way of Jesus, and how to walk that out in our lives. It's a blast. And this gives us a heart of mercy when we, when we practice this. Mercy changes judgment to humility. Mercy changes sympathy to action. It changes selfishness to selflessness and doubt into faith. I love some of our mission partners we have. Um, the Nurme Missions in Africa, they recently started a ministry in the dump there. They were driving by the dump and seeing people living in the dump, picking garbage to find their food with no shelter, no education, no supplies. And they had a heart of mercy. Their heart went out to those people. And instead of judging them and looking down on them and thinking, oh, these people need to get a job, wake up, they pulled over, they entered the dump, and they built a relationship with the people there. We at Elmer's Church have now sent thousands of dollars over there to fund this ministry. And these people now are receiving, their kids are receiving education. We brought them food. All is coming through the Nurme Missions who decided to have a heart of mercy and to serve the people that were living in the dump. This is what God's mercy looks like. It's so inspiring and radical, it's awesome. And when you're merciful, you start to see people differently. I was reading a Philip Yancey book. He was with Henry Nouwen. You know Henry Nouwen, the Catholic priest? Henry Nouwen often found himself in places that were uh, needed a lot of mercy. He went to an AIDS clinic in San Francisco, and he went there and hung out with the people that were in the AIDS clinic, and he told Philip Yancey about his journey there. Philip Yancey writes this in his book. Through Nowen's eyes, I saw a new way to look at such people, not as immoral and ungodly, but as thirsty, as people dying for love. Like the Samaritan woman at the well, they had drunk their fill of water that did not satisfy, they needed living water. After that conversation with Nowen, whenever I encountered someone whose behavior offended or revolted me, I would pray, God, help me to see this person not as repulsive, but as thirsty. Wouldn't it be awesome if we as the church of Jesus could see people that we meet along the way as thirsty instead of having to judge all the things they're doing wrong in their life? People in need of living water? Reaching out to the broken, feeling God's compassion for the people we run into along the way? And again, Jesus is our model. He's our model. The night before his crucifixion, he holds a meal with his friends. John 13 says that he always loved his disciples. But then it says this. Now he did something to show them the full extent of his love. Think about it. He always loved them. But now he did something to show the full extent of his love. What did he do? He took a towel out, he got on his knees, and he washed their feet, every one of them. I'm going to guess most of the time when someone was washing your feet at one of these meals, you probably didn't even pay attention. It was just some slave girl that was washing your feet. But I'm going to guess when Jesus got down to wash your feet, you were probably paying close attention. You were probably really tuned in. And that act of washing his disciples' feet was the full extent of Jesus' love. He didn't give them a sermon. He didn't tell them another parable. He just washed their feet. I'm going to be honest. 
the American church, we're kind of fat. We've had a lot of we've had a lot of Bible studies, we've had a lot of meetings, a lot of gatherings. We've been poured into like crazy. You know what we need? We need to exercise. When you're fat, you need to exercise. We need to get on the Jesus treadmill and start exercising. Seriously. You know how you exercise? You find the people around you who need God's mercy, and you step in with your hands and feet, and you take out your towel, and you wash them. That is compelling stuff. When that happens, the world pays attention. You can tell people all you want that God loves them. They'll forget. But when they experience the love of God through your towel washing experience, they'll never forget. They'll never forget. When we serve people out of mercy, something mystical happens. Something super mystical in the world happens. You know this because when you experience good service, even a restaurant, you notice, don't you? You go, huh, that was unique. That was different. That was something to pay attention to. Erwin McManus, preacher in California, says this, there is something mystical about servanthood because God is a servant. When we serve others, we more fully reflect the image of God and our hearts begin to resonate with the heart of God. We may never be more like God than when we are serving from a purely selfless motivation. Selfless service gets everyone's attention. So I don't know if you know this, a few weeks ago, August 30th, we went out with 110 people and we volunteered in the community and we went out and tried to serve the world, bless the world with our hands and our feet. It was awesome. It was amazing. I was super proud to be part of this church that day. You know what? There are floods of cards and emails that have come in from the teachers at York Center School and Stevenson School, from the people that work here right next door to artists, from the DuPage Easter Seals Treatment Center, from the York Community Resource Center. You know what they're saying? It's awesome to know that somebody cares about us, that somebody's paying attention to us. It's awesome to know during this difficult time in COVID and trying to teach online and all this, that someone actually is praying for us. The teacher care packs, we put a, a personal note to each of the teachers, and we told them that we were going to pray for them, and we gave them a whole bunch of stuff to bless them on their journey. You did that. Yeah, we passed food out to people here that were weeping in the front of your parking lot because one lady was driving by, she saw the sign, she pulled in. When she got to the front, she said, you know, I got up this morning not knowing where my next meal was going to come from for my family and for my kids. And then I saw the sign and I came in your parking lot and got this food. Wow. And she was weeping because she couldn't believe that God was so good to provide that food. This is what happens when we step out to serve. The Lord shows up and joins us and meets us when we partner with him in healing the world. This is super compelling. This is what makes the church really the church. So right now, we can't really gather like we used to. It's a bummer. It stinks. But guess what? We can serve and serve and serve. We can do it. We should start doing services every week, maybe. Just go out and serve every week. I don't know. That would be a lot to organize. That's beyond my organizational capacity. But, hey, on November 29th, we're going to do this again. I met with the mayor of Hillside last week, and he's gathering me names of people in his community that need their yards raked who can't rake their yards. I'm going to talk to the mayor of Villa Park. I think he goes to this church. 
Mayor of Elmhurst, Mayor of Lombard, Mayor of Addison. We're going to go out and look for people that need us to come alongside them. I'm going to tell you right now, I'd like to see 200 people with rakes, raking yards all over this community, spreading the love of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus into the world. On November 29th, that's Thanksgiving weekend, some of you are going, oh, man, we're traveling. Okay, that's fine. We'll get you next time. If you're not traveling, get your warm clothes on, bring your rakes, your gloves, and plan on being here. Okay, we'll have a sign up, but we can have hundreds of people out raking. I've done this before. It's awesome. One time when I did it, we were raking one guy's yard. The guy next door came out. He started yelling at us. What are you, what are you doing? You're blowing leaves in my yard. His yard was full of leaves. It was a mess. So we said, oh, sir, we're really sorry. We didn't mean to blow leaves in your yard. It's okay. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll be more careful. He went back in the house. We raked the yard we were raking. We went over and raked his yard. Fully cleaned it up. Put it all in bags. And we put stickers. We paid for the stickers on the bags to get rid of the leaves. When he came out the next time, he was like, uh, I guess thank you. Who are you people? I said, oh, we're from the church down the road. We just want you to know that God loves you, sir. He cares about you. We hope that us raking your yard will show you that that's true. Well, thank you. And off we went. This is the power of service. This is the power of mercy. Let's walk in other people's shoes and let's figure out. Now, you don't have to wait for November 29th. You can actually do this <laughs> right now, right? As you go out into the world this week, you're going to meet people who are under huge COVID clouds. There's people going through all kinds of stuff in our world all the time and they have no one to love them and show them God's mercy when you meet them I hope you'll practice this S you'll serve them you'll practice God's mercy remember this sermon you'll and you'll do something to say God loves you demonstrate his love to those people you meet along the way will you do that let's be the church even though we can't always come to church let's be the church amen all right let's pray Jesus, um, I know that you blessed me so that I could bless others. Lord, sometimes I embrace that calling really well, and sometimes I am totally focused on myself and have no energy or time or even desire to bless others. Lord, I pray you would change my heart, change the heart of your church, Lord. Open our eyes, help us to see those around us who need your mercy. And then, Lord, help us to be merciful, to walk in their shoes, and to love them in tangible ways that they'll never forget, so that they'll know that you love them, God. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.